Hey, for the next few weeks, uh, kind of leading up until Christmas, we are in a series and it's called what? Bullies in my brain, right? What are some things we've talked about so far? Give me some things we've talked about. Hand, all right, I got one over here. She said anxiety. That was two weeks ago. What else have we talked about? Relationships. Some, yes. We talked about addiction, right? Addiction, anxiety. And tonight, if you look at your card, we're going to talk about a topic that maybe makes you squirm a little bit, and that's okay. We're going to talk about sexuality tonight, all right? You literally crossed it out of your card. Were you like, we're not going to talk about that? Yeah, you're like, you're like, no. Actually, Alan, no, we're not going to talk about that. I'm just kidding. We are going to talk about it. So I shared with you a little bit a couple weeks ago about why these topics are important to me. And I share with you a little bit of just, I see that you struggle sometimes with different things in life, whether it is uh, these addictive habits when it comes to video games or your phones, whether it comes to anxiety, you're frustrated, you're, you're worried, you're scared about tomorrow. Uh, and I even see it in this topic that we're talking about tonight and just the way I see you interact with one another. And honestly, really what we're going to focus on tonight is where do we find a good foundation? Where do we base our beliefs about society, about culture, about who we are as individuals? And I would encourage you that we find the basis of those things in scripture, in the word. And so we're gonna dive in a little bit about tonight. And one of the reasons I'm talking about this topic, one of it I just share with you is because I think it's something that you struggle with and something that maybe you think about or if you're not struggling with yet, you will in the next few years. But also, because when I read the word, when I read the Bible on my own, as I just kind of read through and I, I hear these stories of people, what I don't find is a bunch of people who are perfect, a bunch of people who never sinned, who never messed up, uh, a bunch of people who uh, always did the right thing or never had moments where they just hit rock bottom. I don't see that in the word. And so what I think is good for us is to have a right perspective. Everybody say perspective. We gotta be able to see it in the right lens, see it in the right direction as we think about these different things that we have going on in our own life. And every week we've been reading this verse, we're gonna read it every week, Romans 12 verse two, it says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be oven, no, transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I want us to be a people who constantly, constantly, every day, every moment, renew our mind. So we're talking about sexuality tonight. And you're like, Alan, I don't know that this one fits as well as the other ones do. Because a lot of the topics we're talking about, next week we're going to talk about grief. We're really focusing on things that maybe are specifically related to our mental health. Uh, and one of the reasons why I think this one fits is because a lot of the struggle that we face when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to the, the thoughts and feelings happen in our brain. There are things that we think about, there are things that we con continually are like going through our mind and we're thinking about. And so that's really why we're kind of leaning into it uh, in this series. So I wanna share with you a little bit. When I was growing up, I have two older siblings. Does anybody else have older siblings in the house? All right, sweet, so we've got some, some young, young siblings. And so when I went into middle school, where are my sixth graders at? If you're a sixth grader, just wave at me. All right, so when I was your age, when I was your age, my sister was a sophomore in high school and my brother was a senior in high school. So my, sis, my, my siblings are several years older than me, but old enough for that when I started middle school, they were in high school. And so as I was getting into middle school, the one of the things that I saw 
was the dating habits or the habits that my siblings had when it came to, uh, when it came to dating. I saw that my sister got in a pretty serious relationship when she was a 10th grader in high school and she actually ended up marrying that guy later on, like seven years later. Uh, and my brother had some different dating habits and those are things that I saw. And so I was a middle schooler, I was like 12 years old and I thought to myself, if that's what my sister and my brother are doing, then maybe I should do the same thing. And so me, a sixth grade dude, I had, I wrote this down just so I can get it accurate. I had uh, no job, no money, no license, and no riz, okay? I was, I was pretty awkward. I was pretty lame. So as much as a licenseless, jobless, moneyless, rizless sixth grader can, I started dating. I started calling girls my girlfriend. I started figuring out what that would look like in my life. When I was 15 or 16, I don't remember exactly, I just remember I was driving, I just got my license. Really late one night, I drove out to my youth pastor's house who lived uh, kind of out in an area of town that I didn't live. And I drove out to his house real late one night and I sat on his couch, I was about 15 or 16 years old. Uh, and I just shared with him everything that was going on in my life. I said, hey, Jeremy, he was a great mentor to me growing up. I said, hey, the only really understanding I have of relationships, of how they ought to work, about how they ought to function, is what I've seen. I've seen my sister, it's a pretty mm, not good relationship. I've seen the brokenness in my parents' marriage. I've seen different things on TV. I've seen things on social media. I've seen maybe what these ideas about a relationship with work. And I think it's terrible. It's not working for me, Jeremy. And I, here's the baggage, here's the issues that I've created for myself because my understanding of what sexuality was, what relationships was, was not founded on something that was good. It was not founded on the word of God. And so my ideas were bad. They were corrupted, they were wrong. And I think for many of us, what we believe about relationships, what we believe about sexuality, about the feelings and thoughts that we may have in our brain, really have a lot to do with our experience. But they're, they're the thoughts in my mind. They're the things that I think about. They're the things that I've heard. Maybe they're things that you've witnessed or seen in life. And a lot of what we believe about these things have to do with our own experience, with our own understanding of the issue. I've been a youth pastor for about 10 years now. And so as I've, as I've spent some time hanging out with teenagers, I've observed some struggles. And I'm gonna read these off the paper because I, I kind of wrote them down to make sure I crafted them well. And I want you to like, if I'm like really far off, I want you to correct me. I want you to say, hey, Alan, that's actually, I've never heard of any teenager with that struggle, okay? Here we go. As teenagers, you struggle with the tension of having some feelings or desires or thoughts. And yet hearing as a Christian, those are things that you will not, should not act on until you are married, which for many of you is way, way down the road. As a teenager, you struggle with finding your identity in some of those feelings and desires your orientation or your thoughts about yourself, you find your identity in those and it becomes really hard to separate who you are and how you feel from time to time. As a teenager, you, got, you have these desires that your, your mind and your body don't really know what to do with yet. As a teenager, you have hopes and dreams and aspiration of one day, sometime down the, down the road, maybe becoming married one day and having a family. And you feel like maybe that's like a, an expectation of you. And you think about those things from time to time of saying, man, I know that's like way, way off down the road, but maybe you feel kind of boxed into that a little bit. As a teenager, your understanding of sexuality on a very deep level is very well based on your experience and your thoughts. 
And it's greatly based on what you've seen online, what you've listened to in your music, and what you see in other relationships. So we're talking about this because most of this has to do with what is going on in our, in our brain, in our mind, right? The things that we think about, our understanding, our knowledge about of a scenario. And so I want us to look at what God has to say about these struggles we face, okay? You ready? You ready to dive in? Man, you guys must have been really scared of me today. Like, let this whole area empty, all right? You wanted a path? Are you fat shaming me right now? Like, I need a path this wide? All right. That went sideways. All right, here's the first thing. I want you to write this down in your card. Everybody pick up your pen, pick up your card. Here we go. God designed us, and therefore he gets to make the rules, okay? God is our designer, our creator. He fashioned us, he molded us. And so therefore God is the one who gets to make the rules about life, about sexuality, about, about who we are as individuals. I think in our minds, we sometimes can separate our spirituality, our walk with God and other parts of our life. We can say, well, here I'm an athlete and here I have these thoughts and desires and feelings, but over here I'm spiritually connected with God. And we can kind of separate ourselves into like different compartments. Yet when God sees us, he sees us holistically. He sees us as one person who, yeah, does have some sexuality things going on in our life who also is maybe a great athlete, who also is maybe someone who's really interested uh, in, in doing well in school, who also has these different hobbies. God sees us as one person, that there's just things are intertwined and inseparable from one another. And so God, in his great design of us as a holistic being, he says this in Genesis chapter one, the very beginning, this is the creation story. It says this, then God said, let us make man in our image. Talking about God, the father, the son, and the spirit after our likeness and let them have dominion over the earth, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in whose image? His own image. In the image of God, he created them. And, and he says, male and female, he created them. God designed us as humanity, as both man and as woman, he designed us for procreation, to be fruitful in our work and to honestly just multiply humanity. That's in God's design of us in the very beginning. That's what he says about us. In our society today, culture wants to edit that. They want to edit the rules. They want to change the scenario. And they want to change the way that we view some of these fundamental issues about who we are in God's creation. And I know that some of you in here might say, Alan, I think I probably agree a little bit more with culture than I do with the word. And I want you to know, I'm not up here tonight to convince you from this place, but I would love to invite you into a conversation. If you're like, Alan, it says God did this, but I believe something totally different because what I've seen or what I've experienced or what I've heard, I would love to talk with you and have a conversation about maybe what that looks like and maybe how God uh, in his great design of us is very beautiful. And even if it's hard and uncomfortable, I, what I really believe about God's design is that it's good. Everybody say good. God's design of us is good. He knows us. He created us. And so what are the, the rules that God's had? If, if he created us and therefore he gets to design the rules, he gets to create the rules about these things, what are the rules? And I, I had like a long list of these things, not like super long, but they were all like real nitpicky. And I was like, you know what? Honestly, most of the rules that God has, most of the, the concepts, the principles that God has about us as humanity when it comes to how he created us man and woman, about how he created us for procreation. The truth is a lot of it stems around marriage. 
And you're like, Alan, I'm a middle schooler. Why do I care about this? This is why. God designed some desires. Why don't you write this down? God designed some desires to only be fulfilled in marriage, okay? And you're like, but Alan, I'm 13. I'm 14 years old. I'm 12. Are you even 11? Where's my 11 year olds? Represent, all right? I'm 11, okay? Marriage is so far off. I'm not even a third of the way to, to marriage. Like, why, why are we talking about this right now? Here's, here's what I want you to get. If you could understand at this moment that some of your desires and thoughts and dreams and aspirations about life, they will be fulfilled one day. But to know that saying, hey, listen, marriage is that place. One day down the road, eventually, there will be some things in my life that will be satisfied in marriage. And, and here's what I think. When it comes to us as humans, on like a very fundamental level, there's two things that we really want, okay? There's two things we really want. We wanna be fully known and we wanna be fully loved, okay? I want you to write that down. We wanna be fully known. We want people to know who we truly are on, our, on, a, on, a, on a core level of who we are as an individual. I think marriage is the place where your spouse, whether they like it or not, get to know who you really are. Married people in the room, would you agree with that? Yeah, they know everything about you. Even the things they don't want to know, they learn about you, right? And yet in marriage, God says that, or, or God shows us this pattern and we've seen this, that in that commitment relationship that we can be fully loved. Even when we're fully known, we can be fully loved. Look at what Tim Keller says about this. He's a pastor up in New York City. He says this, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. If somebody loves me but doesn't know me, do they really love me? They don't even know me. Then he says, to be known and not loved is really our greatest fear. For me to let somebody truly know me and for them to decide they don't love me is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is well a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness and it fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. Listen, God's design of us as humanity is I think for many of us marriage. And one day, I believe that many of you in this room will enter into a marriage. And if that marriage is something that is God honoring, is, is a marriage where both of you are really committed to one another, but also committed to God's way of life, I think there's a, a beautiful thing where you can be fully known and you can be fully loved. And that desire is something we chase so much. When it comes to even thinking all your own thoughts about your own ideas about sexuality, you're trying to know who you are. You're trying to learn who you are as a person. And I think what God is saying is, I've already told you, I've already designed you, I've already knitted you. If you wanna know who you are, come talk to the one who fashioned you, who created you. When I see the way that you guys interact in relationships with one another, I said, these are people who are looking for people to care for them, people who love them, people who, who are genuinely invested in their life. And that's a desire for all of us. And we have to have good, healthy boundaries on how we seek to know ourselves and how we seek to find people to love us, okay? I think knowing this, we can either say, all right, God designed us, God made the rules, God has designed a lot of my sexuality to be determined and, and really founded and satisfied in marriage. We can say, I believe that and I'm just gonna go with that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust that God knows me better than I know myself and I'm gonna follow his plan. Or we can say, I'm gonna try to bend the rules. I'm gonna try to do things my own way. I'm gonna try and figure out things 
my own way. And I think for as long as we have existed as humanity, that's been the dilemma, that we've often chosen to bend the rules. In Matthew 19, Jesus is having this interaction with the Pharisees. He's really talking to them about marriage and talking to them about the law. And the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, uh, Moses said, so basically the law says, the, the rules say, that a husband and wife can get divorced. If, if the man just writes a letter, the husband and wife can get divorced. What do you say about that? And Jesus says, hey, listen, the only reason God even allowed that is because your hearts were so hardened, because you were so sinful. God said, all right, I'm gonna permit them to, to kind of bend the rules a little bit because they're so sinful. Their hearts are so hardened. And instead of affirming that command that Moses had given that would, would really permit divorce or a bending of the rules, Jesus says, that Moses ought not have done that. The only reason he did that is because of how sinful you were. And what Jesus does, he pulls the line back. He pulls the line. Jesus is gonna do some things when he's here on earth. He's gonna take some commands further, okay? I want you to write that on your card. Jesus is going to take some commands further. I'm gonna give you an example of this. He said that just because it's permissible or optional, you shouldn't take that as a means to get as close to sin as possible. Jesus said... Just because the rules say don't commit adultery, I'm telling you don't even have lustful thoughts. The rules say don't murder, but I'm telling you don't have anger towards your brother. The rules say an eye for an eye, but I'm telling you to turn the other cheek. We wanna push the line back and say, well, listen, there's some things in the Bible that are outdated, that might be old fashioned, that might be things that uh, society or culture says is wrong. Some of those rules that God put in place are just not where we are as a society. And we wanna push the line back. We wanna get as close to not sinning or sin as we possibly can. And God in his great understanding of us, his great design of us knows that if we get close to sin, we'll sin. That we'll be tempted to hop over the line. That if we get as close as possible to doing something that's gonna harm ourselves, that's doing something that's gonna create some lasting damage, that we will hop the line, that we will sin. And so Jesus pulls that line back because he knows us and knows what is good for us. He knows that we are prone to fail. He knows that we're prone to be tempted to cross that line the closer we are to it. And the truth is, regardless of what society says or what culture says, we don't get to change the line. We don't get to determine what is right, what is wrong. We don't get to determine the rules about these things. God in his great design of us is the one who gets to determine the rules, the designer and the creator. You know, if you continue through that passage in Matthew 19, Jesus has a really unique conversation with the Pharisees and him and Paul later on in 1 Corinthians 7, I wrote those passages on your card so you can go and look at them later if you want. They both affirm something really good. They both affirm that being single or being celibate and unmarried is better for the kingdom. They affirm that, hey, listen, if you're not married and you're, and you're, you're honoring God with your body, it's actually better in the long run for the kingdom of God that you be single than for you to be married. Now, a lot of you are thinking like, hey, Alan, we just talked a whole lot about how marriage is how God designed us, male and female for procreation, for marriage. And that's kind of his design. He, get, he made the rule about it. He did make the rule. But it doesn't mean that everybody's gonna get married. It doesn't mean that everybody is going to follow that pattern. And so here's what I, my advice for you. Jesus and Paul both say this, and I'm gonna sell it to you and you're gonna be like, Alan, I don't like you and that's okay. Here's what I think you should, you should write down. I want you to write it down. Even if you don't agree with me, I want you to write it down. I think you should delay dating for as long as you possibly can. All right? Any amens in the room? Yeah. Yeah, wow, yeah, dude. 
wow. Wow, okay, all right. Delay dating for as long as possible, okay? Listen, right now, you're in middle school. I admitted to you earlier that when I was in middle school, I saw some bad dating habits. I saw some things that like, I should do that, and I did it. It wasn't good. None of it was good. None of it was helpful, and none of it made me a better person in the long run. I would encourage you for as long as you can, for as long as it makes sense in your life, to not date, okay? Here's the thing. When you get to the point where you're saying, I think it's time for me to start dating. I think it's time for me to start saying, hey, I want to have a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend. It's because you're thinking about marriage, okay? Anybody in here like thinking about marriage? All right, good. This is good. This is good, okay? <laughs> when you get to that point where you're saying, hey, listen, I've got some desires and feelings that I know are going to be there in my life that I know are going to be pretty intense and I really would like to get married. When you get to that point, when you say, I'm, I'm starting to look for a spouse, I'm starting to look for somebody that I want to spend the rest of my life with, I would encourage you to start dating then. And it might take you five years, six years, seven years to really find the right person. And that's okay. But I would encourage you to wait until you get to that point before you start getting into relationships, particularly ones that are with a, a, a significant other. Or you may end up like me as a 15 or 16 year old sitting on the couch of my youth pastor saying, hey, hey man, I really screwed this up. I really got some problems and some issues I've created for myself and I need your help to help me figure this out. The thing is, in the meantime, while you're here and you're, you're, you're hanging out and you're saying, I'm not gonna date right now because I'm not thinking about marriage. In the meantime, Jesus and Paul both affirm that you're, it's not a crutch, that it's actually a benefit to you that you can actually do way more in the realm of, of what you can become and what you can do for Jesus in your singleness, in your lack of uh, a significant other or a marriage, okay? That's what God says. And at the same time, the scriptures say that many, like it, it gives us a pattern that many of us are gonna get married. And I still think that's a God-honoring God good way to satisfy some of those desires. And that marriage where you can be fully known and fully loved is a great way to have a God-honoring path for many of those things. So I'm kind of saying like both, both routes can be good, but for now, unless you're thinking about marriage, we really ought not to be, dating is not something that we ought to be pursuing. I've shared a, a lot with you tonight and I've, I've kind of tried to word it in some ways where like some of you who are like, what? Or, you know, kind of stand there. And the other ones of you are like, yeah, and I've got some thoughts in my brain. I've seen some things, I've, I've done some things that maybe you would kind of get where I'm going kind of understand where I'm coming from. I haven't always gotten it right on this path. I'll share with you a little bit about that. When I was a teenager, I think I made a lot of mistakes and I really wish that maybe somebody would have stood in front of me and shared with me some of these principles and that maybe I would have heard them and listened to them. And so tonight, what I hope that I've been able to help you think about what God has to say. It's not about what culture has to say. It's not about even what uh, you've been modeled to in your life of what is good, what is right and wrong. It doesn't really have a whole lot to say. It doesn't matter a whole lot about what you think or your experience on this. What it truly means is if God has said it, that's the rules. That's what we should follow. That's what we should pursue because that is what is ultimately true. Every week, we've talked a little bit about how these, these battles are of the mind and the heart. I think this one, even more so than the one we talked about uh, last week, we talked about how our mind is shaped and molded over long periods of time, okay? Long periods of time, even right now, your mind is being shaped about your ideas about sexuality right now. As an 11, 12, 13 year old, your mind is being formed. And I wanna encourage you to help it form in the right ways. Our heart though, while it is not necessarily formed 
over a long period of time. We believe that God can change our heart in a moment, that with new boundaries, with new habits in our life, and our heart is really a daily submission to God. I've shared with you that, these two principles every single week, and I hope that they're kind of, kind of getting, getting nailed in there. When it comes to this battle for the heart and the mind in the realm of sexuality, what we often find is this, the heart wants what it wants. Here's what God teaches us about our hearts. Jeremiah 17, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Who can understand it? Our heart will lead us in bad places. It will take us down the wrong road and we'll follow the wrong things because of our heart. And it says, who can know it? Who do you think can really know our heart? Would you say like, I mean, it's your heart, you know it? No, who really knows our heart? God knows our heart. He designed us, he made us, right? He is the one who knows our heart. In Proverbs chapter four, God teaches us something about our heart. In Proverbs four, verse 23, he says, guard your hearts above all else for from it flows. It's not up there, it's right here. Guard your heart above all else for everything you do flows from it. It says that above everything in life, we should guard our hearts. And ultimately, whose responsibility does it place to guard your heart? It's ultimately your responsibility. I think in this stage of life, your parents are also ones who help guard your hearts. And maybe there's rules and there's things that your parents have put in place. You're like, I don't understand this. I don't like this. They're only helping you guard your heart. And I think we have to take responsibility in life and say, there's just some, some people that I'm not gonna hang out with some things that I'm not gonna watch, some things I'm not gonna listen to, some boundaries that I'm gonna put in place because I know that it is right and it is good. When it comes to this, I think our, when it comes to sexuality, especially in these thoughts and feelings, desires, I think our heart is what gets us in the wrong place, is what kind of leads us down this wrong path. Our heart uh, is the one that kind of takes us there, but it's often our mind that keeps us there, okay? Our heart is what gets us walking down this wrong path, but I believe that it is our mind that is what keeps us in those bad habits, those bad ideas about life. Our mind kind of forms these connection points when we're hanging out with certain people, watching certain things, listening to certain music, and let, when we're letting our minds ponder on different issues, our minds can often feel trapped and confused. In Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that by testing, you may know what is the will of God. You may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So tonight, as we head into our groups, I want your discussions to be aimed towards things that maybe you're really struggling with, really dealing with, not like things you've heard, but maybe like the thoughts that go through in your mind, the struggles or desires or things that you are experiencing on your own. And I want you to have some good, honest conversation about that, okay? If at some point you say something and your group leader says, hey, let's talk about that afterwards, I want you to honor that, okay? I want you to say, all right, I'm not gonna bring this up anymore. I'm gonna sit with my group leader afterwards because there may be something that they wanna talk about with you in private, okay? You guys good with that? Can I pray for you really quick before I send you to your groups? Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word that shows us what is good, what is right. Thank you for knowing us, for knowing our hearts, for knowing our minds, for knowing uh, the anatomy of our body and for understanding us because you did knit us together. You have molded us and shaped us. And so Lord, even when what you say is uncomfortable, even what, what you say is hard, Lord, we trust you. And I pray that every student, every leader in this room, that we would really sit under those rules and authority that you have placed in your word for us, for our good and for your glory. And so Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.